Hello again, everyone, moms and dads, boys and girls. You are back in the chatter. This is episode 94, Colleen. It is. And we have a full house. We do. It's great. Art Galoon is here from Dubuque County Right to Life, along with uh, Augustine, fondly called Gus, over at Dubuque County Right to Life, and all the way from, you in Texas today, Abby? I am. I'm home. Yeah, I'm in Texas. That's the voice, or at least the, the muffled voice of Abby Johnson. We're going to talk more to Abby Johnson right after this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, Remember almost gracious, gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know if we're going to have enough time with uh, everything. Art's got two briefcases with him today <laughs> on legislation and uh and gus has got every the, have you the newsletters are getting out of hand gus yeah i mean they are just packed with it yeah. and we have our guest abby johnson from down texas way and many of you have heard her did, did we decide was it 2011 when abby was in dubuque that's going to be our best guess i think and april of 2011 give or take six months <laughs> and uh <laughs> and Abby's with us, and God bless her, Colleen. She just had some uh, surgery, and her vocal cords aren't quite t- on top of it. So yeah. it really is Abby. Abby, good to hear your voice earlier. It is. It is. It really is me. It really is me, I promise. Well, we're, Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you on, Abby. Um, so for listeners who are um, unfamiliar with you and your uh, work history, shall we say, um, um, just to get the listeners up to date, um, Abby Johnson um, always wanted to help women in need, and her misled idea of that made her have a career with Planned Parenthood. And she worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years and was even a clinic director. Um, if you saw the movie Unplanned, that is based on Abby's life. Um, so when she witnessed an abortion herself, that was kind of the last straw. So she left that, and she has been a pro-life champion. Uh, what year was that, Abby, that you left Planned Parenthood? Yeah, I left in October of 2009, October 6, 2009. Okay, yeah. so it's been a while. And since then, you've been a great advocate, not only for pro-life, but also for workers um, who are working in abortion places and, and want to leave. So you've got a, a ministry called, and then there were none, helping helping people leave the work of abortion so anyway we hope to have a great discussion today about all those things and right to life office and what's going on and we're just thrilled that abby can join us from texas abby talk more about that and then there were non program that's pretty exciting and very active yeah it is you know i i got that started in 2012 we officially started in in june of 2012 My book was released in January of 2011. And, you know, really, I encouraged to write the book, I I guess inspired to write the book, to get it into the hands of people who were still in the abortion clinics. So I thought, you know, if I, you know, if I was still working in an abortion clinic and 
you know, somebody left and Planned Parenthood sued them for leaving like they did me. And then this person goes on to write this, you know, kind of tell all about their experience. I mean, I, I think I would have picked it up. I, mean, I would have picked it up to read it as a critic, but I think I would have read it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if, what if somebody picks it up and reads it and then says, holy cow, like there's truth in this. You know, she's telling the truth. And I think I want to leave too. And I thought if just one worker leaves and, you know, and their eternal soul is saved, mm -hmm. then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it to write this book. Because I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't like writing. So, mm -hmm. but I thought, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to write this book. So I did. And the book... We, we started the book from really the day I left. Well, the day I, you know, saw the abortion, really. And we, we backed up a little bit, but to, you know, my first abortion, kind of some stuff in college. But really, the crux of the book was from when I left until eight months after I left. And so that was really the time frame that I was kind of writing in. And so everything was very new and, you know, raw, very mm -hmm. raw, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was still doing a lot of healing. And I was doing it all in public. I mean, mm -hmm. I was doing all of my healing on a stage, on stages all across the world. And for better or worse, in front of millions of people. And... Um, and so I, you know, I, I put this book out here for the public to read. I did not, I really honestly did not think anybody but my family was going to read it. <laughs> and I thought nobody's going to care. Who mm -hmm. cares? I mean, somebody leaves their job. Who cares? You know? And then all of a sudden it comes out. It came out January 11th, 2011, 1-11-11. And that day... It shot up to number three wow. on wow. the bestseller list. Wow. On the national bestseller list. And I could not believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, people actually want to read this. Like, I mean, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> give, us, give us the title of that book best? from 2011, uh, Abby. Yeah, so the title was Unplanned. Just like the movie. And just like the movie, Unplanned. And... Um, and I mean, it was great. What the best part, though, was that I started getting emails from people who were working in the clinic and they had read it. You know, they were like, who is this jerk? You know, I want to I want to read this book and see what she has to say about the place I'm working. And what do you know? The more they read, the more they started really seeing themselves hmm. in my story. They started seeing themselves in my story. And by the end of it, they're emailing me just through tears hmm. and saying, I want to leave too. Can you help me? And I, you know, I, I was very new to the movement. I really didn't know. I didn't know what was available for people. And, and by this point, you know, the pro-life movement had been, you know, going and act really active, you know, for 
really 40 years. I mean, it's been like about 40 years since Roe. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I mean, of course, there's got to be some sort of national movement, national organization to help abortion clinic workers who want to leave. And it was then that I discovered there was not. And, you know, we had ministries for everything. I mean, everything else we had ministries for. And they were beautiful ministries. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing for abortion clinic workers. And so I thought, okay, that was when I started praying that God would put it on the heart of someone to start a ministry for abortion clinic workers. <laughs> I thought, I, mean, I don't want it to be me, but <laughs> if somebody else could do it, that would be great, right? And so after praying that for about three months, uh, God was finally kind of like, hey, dummy, it's you, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so by this point, my husband and I just personally had helped about a dozen abortion clinic workers leave their jobs mm -hmm. and we had helped them financially and we'd helped them however we could. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, this is, there's obviously a need. Let's do this. We had no idea what we were doing. And a lot of people that we talked to in the pro-life movement, a lot of, you know, people you would call leaders, a lot of the people we talked to kind of, you know, patted me on the head and said, yeah, that's really cute. And that's a great idea, but it's not going to work. Nobody's ever going to leave. These people are reprobates. They're not going to change their mind. They're, they're too far gone for salvation. And they're looking at me saying mm. this. <laughs> and I'm like, hello. I mean, like, <laughs> are you serious? Like you're saying this to me? <laughs> And they would look at me and they would literally, I mean, no joke, they would look at me and say, but you're different. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not different, actually. And um, and so, it, I mean, for people that know anything about me, like if you say, Abby, you can't do that. That just makes me want to do it more. Sure. <laughs> so we got it started. And in that first year, we had 56 abortion workers come through our ministry wow and come into salvation with christ and and so we just now we've been doing this for you know a little over 10 years now and we've had 655 wow. clinic workers leave and um in in the last in 10 the years last in the last 10 years huh in the last 10 years wow. yeah and i have to say I mean, it's, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't know the right word to say, but um, the majority of the people who are working in abortion facilities do have a faith foundation. Hmm. And if they do have a faith, faith foundation, the majority of them grew up Catholic. Mm. Wow. And so um, if they grew up Catholic then our you know our our primary goal then is to get them back into the sacraments mm -hmm. as quickly as possible abby did you and, mention you've got um, a uh, an event coming up this august 2023 with some of the uh, abortion workers did yeah, i understand we, do. we yeah yeah we do um over we have several of these during the year 
Um, we have five during the year. But uh, coming up soon, over a weekend, we have a healing retreat for those who have left the abortion industry. And uh, over this weekend, we're, we're going to have 40, 40 former abortion workers who are coming to a retreat center here in Texas. We fly them here. And it's just, it's the most, it's really, it's, it's, it's the best thing I do all year when it comes to work, just coming and, and being together, healing together. And uh, I remember the first time my, my closest friend actually works for the ministry. And she said to me, the first time she ever came to a retreat, when she left, I said, well, I said, what did you think? And uh, she's, she kind of got teared up and she said, she said the most beautiful thing that I saw that weekend was when these women would start sharing their experiences. And I mean, these things are terrible. I mean, mm -hmm. the, things they're, the things they've seen, the things they've experienced are things that the human mind should not, it, you can't properly process it. You know, we've seen things that we should not see. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when they share these things, my friend said, they share them so openly and honestly. And she said the most beautiful thing was that no one in the room gasped. Mm -hmm. Wow. No one in the room, you know, put their hand over their chest or said, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't believe you did that. Mm -hmm. Or no one was shocked, right? It was just this room of understanding it was just this room where everybody looked at each other and said i understand and that must be and where some of the healing no starts to happen done, i yeah no matter what you've done i love you mm -hmm. because i've i've been there i've done what you've done and so there's really there's no shame there's no element of shame and that in itself breaks down you know so so many barriers and the majority of the workers that come through our ministry do have diagnosable PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, wow. You know, we've had some that actually have, they have had to be institutionalized um, for a time being after leaving. 38% um, of workers who have come through our ministry struggle with suicidal ideation, which is I mean, that's an astronomical amount compared to the national average. And 18% have actually attempted suicide. Why? Mm. Um, Abby Johnson's our guest never, here. We've never had a success. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Praise oh, God there. Yeah. Abby Johnson is our guest. We've uh, got her connected to the studio from down in Texas, talking about her book from 2012, Unplanned. And you've got a new book. Uh, out just about now is that right abby uh do i have it life to the full yeah, it's yeah life to the full yeah i i was a co-editor on that book with tyler rowley and you know we just wanted to gather some really awesome stories from from just ordinary people who have these extraordinary stories about the way that God has changed their lives. Uh, and, you know, stories that you probably have never heard. Mm -hmm. um, 
but stories that kind of we've all heard, right? Like you don't know these people, but it's just extraordinary stories that you've probably heard in the lives of some people that you know. So, you know, we've got a story in there from, uh, you know, a family who um, they were given, you know, an adverse diagnosis in the womb, told to abort their child over and over again. Baby was born, baby was perfectly healthy. Hmm. But then we have another story of a family given an adverse diagnosis in the womb, told to abort by every doctor they went to, and their child did in fact have that adverse diagnosis. And they are so thankful that they continued to choose life in the face of that adverse diagnosis because their child is the absolute joy mm-hmm. of their family. And, and some, you know, and another story um, where, you know, there was an adverse diagnosis, a, a, a fatal adverse diagnosis, and the baby died after birth. And that family is still so thankful that in the final moments of their child's life, they were able to hold their child. Mm-hmm. They were able to actually grieve the loss of their child while their child was in their arms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got stories in there. Um, we have a story in there, actually, from an online anonymous Twitter user um, that Tyler was able to reach out to. He shared his story on Twitter. And Tyler reached out to him and said, you know, can we share your story? Uh, You know, he got a girl pregnant. It was kind of a one-night stand. Got the girl pregnant. And uh, they ended up, you know, kind of the wrong way of doing it, but they ended up getting to know each other afterward. And he was in, you know, just kind of a dead-end job. And he said, you know what? We created this baby, and we're going to do this together. And their parents supported them on both sides. And they ended up getting married and they got married he it motivated him to get out of that you know crummy job he got a good job got his education and now they're married they have a beautiful thriving family they went on to have more children and you know he says i i owe this all to god and our supportive family and you know people thought we were crazy for you know for saying we're going to commit our lives to the Lord, we're going to commit our family to the Lord, and we're going to make this work. But they did. And now they're, they have a thriving, beautiful family because of it. So, you know, we have a, a former abortion doctor um, who had, you know, been committing abortions for a long time, who had killed many babies. And one day in the middle of an abortion, um, while performing the abortion he, he thought the baby it was an early term abortion mm-hmm. and he misjudged and right in the middle of right before he was about to begin the abortion the baby kicked him back <laughs> wow during the abortion wow wow and he knew the baby was much farther along mm. it, the baby was not in the first trimester and it that moment was the end of of his journey as an abortionist mm. and he's now a strong christian man he's a pro-life OBGYN. you've probably never heard his story but he's part of our um out, he's part of our ministry and then there were none and so he shares his story there's stories of infertility 
you know, people who have grown their family through the foster care system, just so many beautiful stories of life and showing that even through times of adversity, even through times of trouble, even through times of, you know, sometimes confusion and loss, life is always the right choice. That's it. That's exactly right. Those are some beautiful stories. Abby Johnson is with us today. She is talking right now about her latest book called Life to the Full um, that she wrote with Tyler Rowley. Um, so that sounds wonderful. I'm intrigued to get it. So we are rounding up the first segment here. Um, thanks to our sponsor, Hotworks, for all I'm glad you remembered. sponsorship of the show. And we will take a break and be right back. We're back in the chatter. This is the 94th episode. Abby Johnson out of Texas with us, along with Art Galoon in the house and Augustine Payne. And uh, this is is quite the show. Oh, it's great. The first segment was just fascinating. Art? So, Abby, hello again uh, uh, for our listeners during the break. And by the way, I am Art Galoon. I'm the old man in the room, I'm sure, uh, between here and Austin. Very old. Having been involved in the Buchanan Right Right to Life for a long time. Uh, and an attorney, um, uh, recently retired from our law firm, Galoon Wright & Hamill, but now I'm going to work under the banner of uh, Galoon Law PLC and do things that interest me only, which is mostly associated with right to life. So it's a great period in my life. Anyway, we were talking with Abby, and to show our listeners what a small world it is of pro-life people everywhere, uh, Abby has a, a woman who's working with her named Myra Rodriguez, and Abby, tell our listeners how you know Myra. Yeah, I've known Myra for uh, a, a, a long time. Um, while she was actually uh, in her fight with Planned Parenthood, I met Myra, and uh, she now actually works for, and then there were none. She's a former Planned Parenthood uh, clinic manager. Funny, actually, funny story. Um, she. <laughs> Uh, in our ministry, actually, people, people, uh, well, she actually calls herself the Mexican Abby. Yeah. Uh, she, she's actually from, she's from Mexico City, so uh, she calls herself the Mexican Abby. But she, uh, she's just such a, a, a wonderful lady. We're dear friends. But she worked at Planned Parenthood actually for 18 years and uh, originally did not work at an abortion clinic, but in the last two years for employment, uh, Planned Parenthood Arizona moved her to their largest abortion center in their affiliate, and she began to see just terrible things that were happening to patients and, uh, of course, their their unborn children, and began to uh, make reports about it, began to, to speak up about it. And, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood does not like that. They do not like to be called on their errors and, uh, and the things that they are doing that are wrong. And so they uh, basically made up a, a reason to fire her, which was, it was an erroneous reason to fire her. And so um, they fired her, and she ended up suing them for wrongful termination. And she won. Uh, she won that case. Actually, it was a overwhelmingly pro-choice jury. Hmm. Um, ironically, a very pro-choice jury that still found Planned Parenthood uh, to be guilty. Uh, 
and found them to be wrong and that they did wrongfully terminate her. And uh, so anyway, they ended up uh, settling uh, the, the judgment out of court. And uh, But now uh, Myra actually works for my ministry and then there were none and she is an incredibly powerful voice um, for former workers and, and also for the, for the unborn. And Art, you have a connection to her that I just found out uh, through your family. Yeah, I was just proud. To, it was my brother-in-law, Tim Casey, who was her pro-life attorney warrior who endured the, I think Myra was filed, fired in 2017 for essentially being a whistleblower mm-hmm. of the illegal practices of Planned Parenthood. And by 2019, I think in the fall, she was awarded $3 million for wrongful wrongful termination from the jury that Abby just described. Anyway, small world. Tim's married to my sister, Sheila. They're a great couple down in Phoenix and still doing great pro-life work. Sheila works with uh, women who have gone through abortions and counsels them through various programs down there. Anyway, Abby, it's so great to hear you. And uh, I know you're an inspiration to all of us here, and and particularly uh, Augustine Payne, who's our executive director at Dubuque County Right to Life. We're going to be hearing from him. But uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts. There are people uh, from Johnson County, Iowa, and the surrounding area and Dubuque County that go to the Emma Goldman abortion mill every Thursday when they do hand out their chemical abortion pills and do surgical abortions. Mm -hmm. And uh, they usually start arriving at 730 in the morning, so people will be there for four or five hours to pray and to offer information and aid to these women, many of them and their companions who drive them there are willing to talk in spite of the efforts of the so-called clinic volunteers with their kazoos mm-hmm. and umbrellas and, you know, they have the clinic escort garb on. I'd be interested if you have any information for the listeners who might be curious as to how someone like you would advise those folks if they have an interest in making an overture to the clinic volunteers or clinic workers inside, how you might do that mm-hmm. in combination or separately from um, the the overtures to the uh, women in unintended pregnancies who are seeking uh, abortions and who we try to give information about all the positive pro-life answers to their crisis that do not include sure. harming them and killing their unborn child. And they're open, I think, five days a week. So there's other days to go where the clinic workers could be uh, approached or uh, have messages sent to them, either with signs or otherwise. So I'll quit talking. Uh, as a lawyer, I could talk a long time about me. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so g- give us your, your thoughts on that, if you would. Any of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. Um, let me just say, you know, I am also a sidewalk advocate. I go out in front of abortion facilities all over the country um, and reach out to women going in. And uh, certainly, you know, kind of my specialty, I guess, is reaching out to, to those who work inside of abortion facilities. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the things I hear the most, one of the questions I get the most, for sure, uh, from people who go out to the sidewalk, they always are asking about the escorts. You know, the people that are uh, at the abortion facilities that are there to, you know, walk the women in to their abortion appointment. Um, and I, I just want to be clear here. These people are there not actually to protect the women. 
um, those people are not there to actually walk the women into their appointment. Those volunteers are there to be a distraction to you on the sidewalk. And so I, I just want to make that really, really clear to everyone who's listening, to anyone who goes out to the sidewalk, um, or to anyone who may be kind of intimidated by these escorts on the sidewalk. Don't be, okay? Don't be intimidated by them. They are simply there to be a nuisance to you. They're there to be like a little fly, a little gnat that continues to bother you that you just want to swat at over and over and over again, okay? Don't take the bait. Your job out there on the sidewalk, your primary job out there on the sidewalk is to attempt to reach out to that woman who is on the way in to that facility to kill her baby. That, that is your primary target. That is who you're trying to reach. You're not trying to reach that escort that day, but you might reach that escort just simply by the way you are interacting with that potential patient walking in. So, um, you know, a lot of times these escorts can get aggressive. A lot of times they can, um, they can, you know, try to get physical with you. And I also want to make the case, do not allow anyone to get physical with you. Do not allow anyone to put their hands on you. Do not allow anyone to get in your space, um, to, you know, uh, assault you, harass you, or anything like that. You know, we are to be um, ambassadors for the Lord, but we are not to be doormats. And we are not people that are to allow ourselves to be assaulted. So law enforcement is there for a reason, and the law is there for a reason. And so if that ever happens, please stand your ground. Um, I always encourage per people, particularly at a place like you're talking about, the Emma Goldman Clinic, they are hostile. The workers inside of that clinic are hostile. How do I know that? Because they are often sending our ministry little uh, love notes, and I say that sarcastically. Um, they are, it's a hostile facility. It's a very dark facility. And so, um, you know, we just be aware of that and anywhere where they're particularly hostile i always encourage people have a tripod set up have a mm -hmm. camera going mm -hmm. facing your not facing the patients but facing those of you who are on the sidewalk have it going at all times make sure that you are being protected when you're on the sidewalk because if an incident ever occurs you cannot expect and do not expect for people inside of the abortion facility to hand over any sort of CCTV footage that will help you and implicate them. They absolutely will not do it ever. Mm -hmm. So you need to protect yourself. Now, that being said, your primary focus is on that woman who has an appointment to snuff out the life of her child. Like you said, there are other days that you can reach out to an abortion clinic worker. 
And I encourage people to use other days that are non-abortion days to do that if possible. The one thing that's nice about reaching out to abortion clinic workers is that you have an opportunity to actually build a relationship with abortion clinic workers. You don't have that opportunity with a woman who's going in to have an abortion. So, you know, you may have 15, 20 seconds at most with a woman who has an abortion appointment. But you can have weeks and weeks and weeks to mm. develop a relationship right. with an abortion clinic worker. But you have to go, you have to make, you know, you have to, you have to sort of carve out time to do that. So, you know, when I worked at the clinic, there was a woman named Elizabeth. She came every single day. She was like, I'm getting this woman out of the abortion <laughs> clinic. And so she came every day. She knew that I was going to be there. I arrived between 7.30 and 7.45. So dang it, Elizabeth was there every day between 7.30 and 7.45 to tell me hello. And, <clears throat> you know, to ask me how I was doing. And she would leave. And then she knew that I was the last person to leave every day because I was the director. And by golly, she was out there waiting for me every single day when I left to ask me about my day and to tell me she hope I, hoped I had a good day and she would see me the next morning. And during that time, we began to develop a rapport. And it was, I was very begrudging. I did not want to develop a rapport with this woman, right? Mm -hmm. But the more she was there, the more I got to know her. I couldn't help it, right? She was always there. And I got to know her. And so I got, she was also continued to be there even when I left my job. She was one of the people that I called because she had been consistent in my life for two years. Hmm. So you can develop those relationships with workers and you can develop a pretty good relationship with workers on that other side of the proverbial fence, uh, sometimes an actual physical fence like it was for me. So, you know, but you have to really have a heart for the workers. And if there's animosity in your heart for a worker, which I understand, if you, if you feel angry, angry toward abortion clinic workers or abortion clinic doctors, look, that's just not your gift. And you don't need to be reaching out to them. There's enough anger inside the walls of that abortion facility. We don't need it out there on the sidewalk. I'm not angry. Abby Johnson is our guest <laughs> oh, from I Donna, Texas. I know you're Texas. not. I know you're not. <laughs> Her business is in, and then there were none ministries. Art Galoon's in the house with Abby Johnson. Colleen's here, and uh, we've got Augustine Payne from Dubuque County, Right to Life. You wanted to talk to Abby, Augustine. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tom. Um, so my question, Abby, is more towards um, what we're currently seeing an increase in talking about sex trafficking with the new movie Sound of Freedom. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about the Sound mm -hmm. of Freedom and abortion? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, uh, there's, of course, I mean, when I worked at Planned Parenthood, there was, you know, we, we definitely saw women coming in. Uh, they were victims of sex trafficking, um, and nothing's done. Nothing is reported. Uh, you know, these women are, I mean, they're sent through um, completely dehumanized. They're dehumanized on the way out, just like they're dehumanized as they come in um, from their trafficker. 
and the abortion industry is not there to protect them. Uh, they're, you know, they're not there to help them. They're not there to provide any resources, certainly not there to get them out of the sex trafficking industry because in all honesty, um, sex trafficking is, uh, provides big business for the abortion industry. And, uh, and so they're not, you know, they're not trying to, to stop sex trafficking. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. They're not trying to provide help. And uh, all of these things, you know, when we, when we look at sex trafficking, abortion, the LGBT agenda, all these three things, and we could probably think of a few other things, but these three things in particular, the root of this problem that we're dealing with in our society today, the root of this evil is not abortion. The root is not the LGBT agenda. The root is not sex trafficking. These are symptoms. Those three things are symptoms of the root. The root, the evil root, is, is really the destruction of the image of God, the, which is also tied to the destruction of the family. And, and so, you know, people will say to me, Abby, you know, why... Why, why is, you know, the LGBT movement and Planned Parenthood so incredibly tied together? You know, why, why is abortion and sex trafficking, why are they so tied together? And a lot of people, you know, they kind of shout, well, it's money, it's money. It's not, look, it's not money, okay? It's not. There's something m much deeper at play, and it's, it's spiritual, right? Because all of this we know is a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. All of these things are tied together really because they are all profoundly anti-life and they are all profoundly anti-God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's something really disgusting, ironic, diabolical, evil, I mean, throw in whatever word you want to. Mm-hmm when you know there's about 25 to 30 percent of the abortion industry's workforce identify within the lgbt movement mm. okay so there's really something just evil about a group of people whose sexual acts are non-procreative they violate natural law these people whose acts are non-procreative and violate natural law are telling women who walk into their clinic who are pregnant, who have life within them. These people are telling these women that they should kill that life within them. People who are unable to create life are telling women who have life within them they should take life. But that is really that is the crux of their movement. They are anti-life. They are anti-natural law. They are anti-God. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it that way, it, it makes entire sense. Um, and so, it, but really, it's, it's not, we're not just tackling abortion here. We're not just tackling homosexuality. We're not just tackling sex trafficking. We're tackling an evil that is much, much deeper. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. I think that's that's very, very true. And you're right, the root is evil. We know it's a spiritual battle. And you're right, those three things are all connected with the destruction of the human person, the destruction of the family. Mm-hmm. That's the common denominator. So thank you. Our guest is Abby Johnson out of Texas. Her her ministry is And Then There Were None, and she's got a couple of books out. You remember the unplanned book from, uh, it's almost 15 years ago, Colleen. Mm-hmm. Unplanned, which ended up being that great movie, and then Life to the Full, the new book by Abby Johnson. We're going to take a break and be right back here on The Chatter with Art Galoon and Augustine Payne and Colleen Pasnick. Colleen, we are back. Was that a treat to have Abby Johnson on the air? I was thrilled to have her. She's really one of my heroes. What a trooper, too, just uh, recovering from surgery, and they nicked her vocal cords. Yeah. I thought she sounded good, though. I think she did, too. Not quite the energy we're used to with uh, Abby, but uh, that's understandable, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Doing that. Art Galoon's in here. The retired Art Galoon that's not retired is in the house. (laughs) And Augustine Payne is with us, the executive director of Dubuque County Right to Life. And, Gus, you've got some... uh, you got a big event on September 9th, the National Day of Remembrance. What's going on? Yeah, so I believe it was Pro Life Action Week that started this event. Um, tomorrow, let's remember those that have been aborted. And it's a national thing, so it's happened around the country. And um, some of the remembrance services are held at where there are actual graves where aborted babies have been buried. Mm. Now, we don't have one of those in Dubuque. We just have a memorial for the unborn where we can where, Where's go. that at now? The memorial? Yeah. It, it's at uh, Mount Olivet in Key West, Mount Olivet Cemetery, right across the street from St. Joseph's in Key West. Right. And so, and we're also adding on to that memorial, and that is a project that will hopefully be completed next year. We're going to build um, a stone. We have a stone made where we can have names... Um, carved in or etched into the stone for people to remember those that they have lost to abortion, miscarriage, or stillbirth. Basically, babies that don't have a grave or a marker Mm -hmm. where people don't have that spot to go remember them. Mm -hmm. We're trying to create that for them. Nice. Yeah. Um, And we have a couple of board members and other volunteers who are spearheading that project, which we're grateful for because I think it's key to have that because um, every life does matter, regardless mm-hmm. of how long we spent on this earth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. yep. What else going on at Dubuque County Right to Life? It's, it looks like it's pretty busy on the corner of Carter and Asbury. <laughs> yeah, so one of our ongoing um, initiatives, just looking at the calendar, is our um, Ambassadors for Life, which is our young adult youth group. Um, I shouldn't say young adult youth group. They're pre-18, but they're all acting like adults there. These are mm. These are well-formed um, high schoolers who want to do more for the pro-life movement and getting together once a month to talk about um, the pro-life movement in the sense of becoming better at talking with um, pro-choice people and also to create form projects that are able to more or less 
be focused towards their age group. Mm-hmm. And so they're a great group of people to work with. That is so key to get the young people able to verbalize why they're pro-life. I think of Grace, who's working at the Right to Life office, and how her stance from being pro-choice, so to speak, to pro-life came about through a conversation with one of her peers. So what an awesome thing to get those high schoolers geared up to give reasons for why they're pro-life and talk to their friends who maybe don't share all their views. Yeah, That's no, great. definitely. And I think that goes a little bit into our um, October speaker this year for Pro-Life Awareness Month. It's going to be Emily Albert with Equal Rights Institute. She's in charge of their education and outreach. Josh uh, Brom is the main person with that, but... The whole focus of that organization is to have conversation or dialogue in a persuasive manner and not just be what we see. So, in so the who is that again, Gus? Yeah, What's the name? Emily Albrick. And what date is that? When's so that coming to She'll be here October 16th to October 19th. We're putting together her schedule um, to so that way um, she can go visit the area high schools that we can get into and junior high schools as well as some of the colleges Mm -hmm. and Um, then i think there's a luncheon for the adults in the community that want to hear yep yep there's a luncheon for the adults and normally the college talk is the also open for the public um so we normally get a mixed attendance with that as well so it's emily albrecht from equal rights institute she's coming to the junior high senior high college campus where's the luncheon at on the luncheon, we're still working on uh, putting together, but we're looking at... Um, Art's backyard. We're doing... <laughs> we're grilling. <laughs> I'll have to buy another lot. Yeah. In the past, it's been at the Best Western. Okay. Yeah, Best Western or the Dubuque Country Club, mm-hmm. um, right off of Grandview. And that's October 16, 17, 18, 19? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be coming out in September and October um newsletters with more information on that so um if you haven't heard anything check our website or social media we'll be updating nice newsletter how many of these go out gus just over two thousand um so two thousand just over two thousand hard copies and about three to four hundred online three to four so if people aren't getting the newsletter how, how would they get this is a great newsletter art I think so too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Especially the front page here. Here he is. Yeah. Pro life court and legislative update that we're going to talk about soon. But how do you get on the mailing list, Gus? Yeah. So you can go on to our website, and there should be a sign up form. DCRTL dot org slash newsletters. There should be a sign up form at the bottom. Um, where you can click it, and then we'll get an email saying that you'd like to get it, and we'll add you to our system. So, and if or you if, don't have email, do it the old-fashioned way. Call five six three five five six fifty nine sixty, and talk with one of the young people in the office because they're all young now. All Everyone's right. under thirty. It's yeah. totally wonderful, and give them your name and information, and they'll make sure you get a newsletter. So how did we ever pivot? Of course, we all got older, but how we're getting. Teens, college, 20s, and 30-year-old, whatever generation that is. That's great. In, in the right of life. What are we doing right, Gus? <laughs> well, I think they're responding to the call of making abortion unthinkable. Um, I think they know the people that have come before them and have laid the groundwork, um, especially with the overturn of Roe, I think has rec- renewed our enthusiasm to make this unthinkable. What kind of comments do you get? Can you share any anecdotes? or, or I mean, what, what do they say? I mean... They just come knocking on the door and say, I want to help? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them do because all we really do, all we have really have done with the Ambassadors for Life is just putting out the call. 
and they've responded. I think they need an avenue to channel their energy, and that's what Dubuque County Right Life has done with the Ambassadors for Life group. Wow. And I think the young people are making the connection. The, the dichotomy is that people like Gus and others, uh, Grace, who's our intern in the office, Gavin Nelson, who's the executive assistant, they've all grown up knowing nothing but legalized abortion, and yet they've made the connection between the science of human fetal development, the killing that abortion is, and at the same time, they link two things. We need pro-life legislation to protect preborn people and their mothers from abortion. Mm-hmm. And we need to help these women. And that's the other side. You can't have one without the other. So if we're going to have protective legislation that protects the civil rights of the preborn person, we also have to have it hand-in-hand with that is legislation, like the moms, more options for maternal support yeah. here in Iowa, yeah. that provide real, concrete, financial, educational, housing, uh, medical help, I, everything I was, you need. I was thinking about you, Gus, uh, Art. Well, I was thinking you too, Gus. But <laughs> Art, I was thinking, because um, you've been on the show now. Uh, this is 2023. This is your third time on this year. We had, what, three or four times last mm-hmm. year, Colleen, mm-hmm. in 22. And yet in the last... Six weeks in uh, a local newspaper, there was someone writing to the editor, an editorial, saying, you pro-life people, all you care about is when they're pregnant. There ain't nothing to do. What are you going to do? And it just I'm, I'm thinking, how many times do you got to say this, Art, about what Dubuque County Right to Life and the Iowa pro-life movement means to mothers and families and their children? Well... You just have to repeat it over and over and over and hope people keep listening because uh, Texas did it first, and all you heard when Texas passed their heartbeat bill was that it was a vigilante law that was going to let people sue people, the Uber driver who was taking a woman to an abortion. The fact of the matter is that the heartbeat bill in Texas, just like Iowa, was based on medical science. Life begins at conception, but in the political world, you get what you can get. And so the heartbeat bill in Texas became uh, a national standard of sorts. But sure, the thing a model. That, the thing that they didn't publicize, that Texas, where everything is bigger, they had legislated $120 million for their essentially mom's program. And what and did we do up here in Iowa? We did $2 million in a combination of the last two legislative sessions. Wow. Now, for your listeners to know... The state is not going to administer that. They're looking what for RFPs, what they call requests for proposals from uh, private companies that would administer that program, review applications to get that and money. But the MOMS program uh, needs more funding in Iowa. And But what it does, it gives everything from educational help, vocational help, car seats. So put a number on that. We're at two millions right now. What what would really make a difference in Iowa for the legislature to pony up beyond two million? Make it 50 million. 50 million. I mean, Texas does 120 million. Uh, North Carolina, listen to this. North Carolina recently overrode their, I wrote about this in one of our recent newsletters, the uh, June newsletter, North Carolina overrode the Democratic governor's veto there of a 12-week protective abortion legislation, had $160 million in funding, $75 million for child care, $59 million for foster care, kinship, and children's homes, $16 million to reduce infant and maternal mortality, $3 million to help mothers complete college. Mm-hmm. So the, the young women going into Emma Goldman, they're worried about all these things. I need medical care. I need right. daycare. I need I, I need, need, I need, I need. And I have people pushing me because I don't have those things. Well, we, we tell them, 
we can help you with those things. Those things are there. And fortunately in Iowa, we have a Republican majority in the House and Senate and a pro-life governor, so, so things are happening. We never would have thought it was possible what happened July 11th to call a one-day legislative session to repass. Special session. Special session to repass the heartbeat bill in Iowa. Right. That was fantastic. And the pro-aborts talk about the polls. Well, the polls indicate this, the polls indicate that. What the most important polls, which are the voting boosts, indicated was that from 2018 to 2022, for now this legislative session in 2023, the people of Iowa have returned pro-life legislators in majorities to the Iowa Legislative House and Senate and the governorship. Correct. That's the poll that matters, and it means that the people in Iowa are understanding that we need to help these women, we need to stop the killing, and we need to find a better answer to an unattended pregnancy than abortion. So Art Galoon is with us. It's three months since you've been here, and we covered everything at that time. There was no legislation left unturned when you were here last. And now in, in 90 or 100 days, Art, what's going on? You've got, you've got six minutes to update us on all of those, everything in the left briefcase here. Okay. I'll try to do as quickly as I can. And for your listeners, if you want more information on this, call Augustine Payne or Gavin Nelson or Grace Van Petten at Payton. Am I pronouncing that right? Patton, I think. Patton. Yeah. And our intern, to be kind of right to life, 556-5960. And you, that's what we do. We educate about these things. So here's the education where we are. Many of you will know that the heartbeat law in Iowa was just passed in a special legislative session. And what that says is that it will be illegal. We're protecting, in the political world, what we can get right now is protective legislation for unborn children, preborn people, whose heartbeat can be detected. So that law has been passed. It's now back before the Supreme Court, who's agreed to hear it. Iowa Supreme Court. Iowa Supreme Court, who will decide whether it is constitutional. Now, they'll do that in the framework that just last year they said there's no right to abortion in the Iowa Constitution. So guided by other state and federal law, they'll decide what what burden has to be shown to pass this kind of, kind of legislation. And I won't go into specifics, but when laws get passed, they either have to pass a rational basis test, that is there has to be some connection between what the legislature is trying to legislate right, right. and some legitimate state interest. Well, here are the state interest is in preserving life, protecting right. life, mm-hmm. and helping women in unintended pregnancies. What's the, uh, it's a perfectly legitimate governmental goal. What's mm-hmm. the time horizon on the court case? Well, unfortunately, I don't think it's been fast-tracked, so it's just started. So they'll have briefing that takes months because there's a first brief, then a response brief, then a rebuttal brief from the various sides. Then they'll schedule. So it's a ways down the road. Probably I'm, June I'm, of next year. I'm moving you along because yeah. we got four minutes and you got okay. five pages. All right. So the mom's bill, as I mentioned, that needs more funding. We're currently funded $2 million. But and you want to, $50 million. Well, <laughs> that's me. All right. All right. All in favor? Our, yeah. Our neighbors in Illinois, you need to be aware because this can move to different areas also. The state of Illinois passed a law. Uh, recently, just in this legislative session, that provided for fines of up to $50,000 to crisis pregnancy centers. This would apply to like the Clarity Clinic Mm -hmm. here in Dubuque if the uh, prosecutor felt that they were handing out misinformation about what services they offered in the prosecutor's judgment. Well, of course, that's a total restriction of free speech in the First Amendment. So the wonderful lawyers at the Thomas More Society went to court and last Friday got a judge to block it 
while it makes its way so this law will not go into effect threatening crisis pregnancy centers and their volunteers while it's being heard in the courts. In fact, the judge said this is an outright stab at trying to restrict people's free speech. First Amendment. It's totally unconstitutional. All right. Uh, also in Chicago, their new pro-abortion mayor put forth a program about being a vibrant city. They want to have a bubble zone around abortion clinics, some of which they the, the uh, Chicago mayor wants Chicago to run. They want to hand out at government abortion clinics chemical abortion pills. Wow. So, and they also want to uh, have a, a bubble zone where you can't get more than eight feet closer to someone who's within 50 feet in an abortion clinic to try to hand them literature and so forth. You'd be fined. Then Ohio tomorrow goes and has a vote on whether they should raise from a 51% uh, majority to a 60-40 majority to amend their constitution. It's very important because there'll be pro-abortion forces there that want to amend Ohio's constitution to provide for abortion on demand. So tomorrow's vote is for the Ohio Ohioans to determine what level of majority is needed to amend their constitution. It would be, in my view, more protective for women in crisis and for their babies to have, a, have to need a 60% majority so that the pro-aborts don't come in and wreck the Ohio constitution. Minnesota's gone completely pro-abortion. They've passed laws where they're not going to cooperate with any other state that's trying to uh, protect their uh, abortion legis pro-life legislation. Wisconsin has a case in the courts right now that's headed toward the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which recently a conservative pro-life uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court justice retired, was replaced by a conservative, very pro-abortion um, justice. So all of those things, you can get more information and the wonderful things Gus and his staff are doing to be County Right to Life. That's what we're out there for. We're out there to help people understand everything that's happening everywhere, locally, statewide, and nationally. Lastly, I would encourage people Support Mary's Inn, support Clarity Clinic, support Birthright. We are all in this together. We all know each other. We all support each other, and we need your listeners' support. And lastly, I always want to talk about this. The language you, 60 use, seconds. Right, language you use in talking about pro-life and abortion, and Gus will echo this too with the people he talks with. Use language. We don't talk about abortion bans. We talk about protective legislation because that's what it is. We're not banning Correct. anything. We're helping people. Right. They're not abortion providers. They're abortionists. It's not reproductive rights. It's people who want to make abortion on demand legal up to the moment of birth. That's what they're talking about. It's not a fetus. It's just what everyone refers. When you have someone in your family who's pregnant, you say, when's your baby due? Mm -hmm. You don't say, when's your fetus due? Right. So let's use the language that encapsulates the pro-life movement when we're talking about it. And you do not have to accept the terms that the other people you're speaking with have educate them about what it really means to be pro-life and help these women we got to we got to wrap up episode 94 art we're in august 2023 you're coming back because many of the things you just talked about are going to have decisions uh late third quarter ohio and and the mm -hmm. rest of the states mm -hmm. come art, by the office and talk to gus and his staff i think you'll 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 be energized by the youth we have in the office at dubuque county right to life at the corner of asbury and carter road in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be. To the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Art Galoon, Augustine Payne. Colleen Pasnick. I'm Tom Oglesby. See you next week. We love you.